Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 62. Happy days. Uh, Andy Ma here with Mark Hayes yet again on what's been a pretty seismic week, <laughs> Hazy. On so many levels, Andy. Can't wait to get in and rip it apart. How many haymakers have you had rained down upon you given your declarations about Eldrick Tiger Woods not that long ago? I've put on about five kilos of humble pie. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Felgen is back due to popular demand. Uh, Digital content coordinator... Is it for Golf Victoria or Golf Australia or both? Or what? which one is it now? Uh, formerly man? Golf Victoria, soon to be Golf Australia. Sort of in that middle period at the moment. For golf? Yeah. For golf? Yeah, effectively. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely to see you here. You've Thank been you all know. over the place recently. Every time I follow you, I'll see a social media missive of yours pop up. You're in Fiji or yeah. some parts of the world. Yeah, that was a good week over in Fiji. I've done not many bad weeks in Fiji, I wouldn't have thought. Did you get to play the golf course? We the did, yeah, on the final of the morning Tell after. me it was windy. It was extremely windy. Yeah. Nearly had my first hole-in-one. Hit the flag stick on the full. Didn't. That doesn't really count. It's not really nearly, is it? But well, <laughs> For me, for someone who's never had one, it was nearly. Yeah, did, it drop, did it drop to kick-in range? It dropped to about 10 feet. So That's not nearly a hole-in-one. Oh, but it's close enough. <laughs> and it hit it down the bottom as well. So it's he, close he, he's got something else on his plate. Too soon, Andy. Do tell. Do I? Yes, you absolutely do. Oh, dropping tomorrow. No, no, oh, the, no, 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 oh, no, no. Is that tomorrow? No, 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 he's, no, he's got another, no we'll get to We'll come back to that later. Yeah, Singapore else. next week for the Asia Pacific. Oh, um, uh, get out of here. With our young six boys, Zach Murray, Dave Michaluzzi, Minwoo Lee, Shawls Cobb, Blake Windred, and Dylan Perry. So, yeah. Well, I should know the answer see. to this, but our guest probably represented him that, did he not? He did. It, I'm yes. sure he would have. On, yeah, a, on, on a number of occasions, Brett Coletta. Hashtag golden era. You are part of the reason that that hashtag was born in the first place. How lovely to have you in the studio, young man. Yes, very uh, very happy to be here. Are you nervous? Are you a bit sort of over? Oh, a little bit. A little bit nervous. Yeah, it gets it going. Yeah, no, I never know what you guys are going to put this up. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, happy to be here. He's as calm talk- as they come, Andy. Yeah, you will not be able to fluster him, I promise. They've all got resting heart rates of about 25 mm. young golfers, haven't they? That's They're true. a bit too cool for school, those blokes. Um, how many times did you represent, or did you go over and play in the Asia Pacific? Uh, I played once, once, and I nearly won it. You did, didn't you? Yeah, that was. How close in, did you get? Oh, back in sixteen, that was the one at um, Korea. Korea, Jack Nicholas Club right. up there, and it's one Curtis just picked me on there. But yeah, I've only played one. So t- take us through the closing stages of that event the, without blow blow by blow, shot for shot. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, I, you know, I was actually the sixth person in. I was the sixth highest Wagger rank person. So I just scraped in basically on a good summer of golf over in America. And I knew this in the back of my head anyway, so I was pretty proud to get in. You know, I've been playing good golf all year and 
you know, and I rolled up that week and then all of a sudden found myself in the lead after uh, 36 and then 54 and I was thinking, oh, here we go. Look at what's <laughs> going start, on. I and, start, uh, you I know, start. I was actually, you know, that was the first kind of real sniff of elite, real elite amateur golf with a real uh, prize on the line. And, you know, I did get the better of me and I didn't play as well as I'd like in the last round. But, you know, that's one of the biggest learning curves I have to this date in the shortest amount of time. So what these guys have coming up for them, if, you know, how well they play or if they don't play well, whatever, it's a great experience. Have you forgiven that dirty dog, Curtis Luck, for not just standing aside because he already yeah. had his master's invite? Yeah. I'll, oh, that's right. That was the story. The was controversial that, that's on you story. There was something there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't hold grudge, can you? That's bloody a game. You didn't well, know I reckon we might but we might talk about him early in the show. We're going to spend yeah. a bit more time with you talking about your journey over in Canada and where that leads sure. you to right now a bit later on in the show. But um, we're burying the... Well, so so Brett Collette is our special guest. We're also going to catch up with Michelle Watts, who is representing Australia in the, in the Blind World Championships. Yeah, she's over in Italy. We're uh, expanding the budget to get to just near Roma. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is gonna, it's, she's got a great story to tell. And um, yeah, it's just another aspect of what, uh, you know, all those representing Australia and golf are, are doing these days. Okay, so the decks are cleared, right? We, we've It's come to our attention. Um, Justin sent me a private text message the other saying that um, word has filtered through that Tiger Woods actually listens to Inside the Ropes and has been doing so for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And he called you Michael Hayes, uh, but we've corrected him that it's Mark Hayes. Um, and he does, he, he wants us to give you the platform at the start of the show, a bit of clear air to say whatever you want to say about about Tiger. So, Hazy, given the fact that you've been as strong as anyone, suggesting that the end had arrived, what have you got to say? I was wrong. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's all it. you need to know. But I mean, I, I'm as I said to you... No, he, I'm, I'm, he, being, I'm being a bit silly here. But no, no, it's okay. As I said to you, um, you know, back when you were chipping me about this, you know, properly chipping me about it, I actually am delighted... To be wrong. Of course you are. So it's not like I'm an anti-Tiger person. I just didn't think he'd do what he did. And and to be honest, I still didn't think he could do what he did after 36 of this event, the Tour Championship at East Lakes. But, you know, the way he played on the third round was next level. Like, that was a Tiger of old. And I've said it a couple of times while eating my humble pie this week, Andy, that I didn't think he could do it because I thought the Brett Coletta types of the world had gone past him physically. So whereas once he was the highest rate swinger in the, in the field and he could dominate physically, I thought that was past him. And and it's such a bomber's game these days that you, you can't compete from way back down the field, especially uh, the fairway, especially in the rough. Well, Tiger is now swinging at a faster rate than he ever has. And I have no idea how that's possible after back fusion surgery. I, it's got me completely baffled. But his mental game has clearly not gone away. Huh. Uh, and the kids in the field this week got their first taste of what that used to look like. Well, there weren't that many kids in the field, given the fact that it was what it was. And this is one th- I wouldn't mind throwing it open to the three of you. We were talking about this on SEN during the week on you know, Melbourne Sports Radio, and um, the feedback that was coming through was, turn it up, he's beaten a field of 29 other blokes. He hasn't beaten a full field yet, so it's not really legitimately Tigers back-winning majors yet. Is that a fair 
Is that a fair observation? That's the biggest thing I reckon I've been trying to internalise the last few days. What does it mean? I was going to ask Hazy about that, but Brett, you're probably equally qualified to speak about that. I just feel like, just in the back of my mind, there's a. Little, I was. I need to co-sign any apology that Hazy says because I've been in the same camp. That <laughs> yeah, I think a few were last year. I just you think twelve months ago from where he was physically to where he is now. It just it's incredible that he's and he's not made it a physical thing. It's just become more than that. I mean, he's not bombing it past anyone. He's just outworked all of them. But yeah, the small field. I don't know. Do we give that? Do we hold oh. on to our ultimate enthusiasm we'll get at all because for of it, that? But. I don't. You know, we're talking about the top thirty players of the year, though, mind you. These aren't just thirty yeah. picked out of the random. These are the top thirty that earn their way into the. So these are obviously guys in form. Uh, it's very controversial, and very subjective, but you know, a win's a win. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's won. You know, he's come back from everyone. A lot of people doubted him. And I think more of the optimistic type of personality was the one that egged him along and said, yeah, he's going to be back. That scratch video that we put on Golf Australia Facebook with, you know, people who, yeah. I guess in the same light as me, were asked to provide a comment. And I hate it when people sit on the fence in those situations. So you've got to give a comment. Yep. But God, all those people giving their comments, just like I did, just wearing it straight between the eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously on ESPN's marginally bigger audience than inside the ropes, Andy. Well, it's, the gap's closed. The gap's closing. <laughs> he doesn't, Tiger doesn't watch ESPN, but he does listen to inside the ropes. But I will say, just in, what, in reference to what you were just talking about, Brooks Kepka is a classic example of what the Tour Championship was. When he couldn't win, mm. he didn't give a crap. I'm sorry spot, to say no, that. Spot on. So he just put the queue in the rack, coasted along, picked up his 30th place check for the week and got his bonus for the year and did it and just mm. moved on. He didn't care less. That's not the US Open Brooks Kepka. When we saw what he could do when he knuckled down in the USPGA, so there is definitely an element of that's not a major. And I, I'll, I'll stick to the... I'll change my tack. I don't think he'll win a major. Yep. He may well. Yep. But I think he'll cruise past the 83 wins of Sam Snead now. So I think he'll get yeah. another couple. Yeah. Yep. Do you reckon the 18s... So clearly you don't think the 18s in target. Nicholas came out during the week and said that he does believe that there's... On the evidence that's been presented in front of him, he does believe that the 18s under threat. Now, whether he's just saying that because it's the appropriate thing to say, and he is polite, and they are overly polite in America, um, or he actually truly believes it, only Jack would know. But he did say it. I mean, I'm with you. I I don't think there's another four majors in him. You go to next year, though, and they've got the PGA, sorry, the Masters first up in April. He's... He's already the favourite. He's with the, the favourite. Favorite, favorite, unbelievable. Yeah. And you'd think right now he probably should be. After that, in May, is the PGA at Bethpage Black, I think, yeah. in New York. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy pro-American crowd there if he gets going. Yeah. After that, Pebble. the US Open at Pebble, where he's got form. <laughs> he's got some form. And then yeah. the Open uh, in Ireland at Royal Portrush. So. He's got good links form, too. <laughs> so you're saying he could get the four next year? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> He could rack you him up. Hazy year. won't, Hazy <laughs> won't tell you that he will, but a, a major next year is seriously on the cards now. No, he, Brett, could, he could easily have won two majors this year. I mean, yeah. he led at Carnoustie, yeah. and and Bob a freak show from Brooks Kepka, mm. he would have won the PGA in a canter. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think these are all the pathway to what we see today, mind you. Everyone's just kind of putting the spotlight on right now that he's just won, but it's it's been a big build up for him. Like obviously, all these. Uh, you know, kind of re-experiences, if you wish, as um, 
you know, coming back into the real spotlight of golf. It's a good way of putting it. And so it, so he was t- ranked two millionth. To, to further to what Brett's saying, he was ranked two millionth five minutes ago. Mm. Uh, and without a win, he got back up into the top 30 in the world that played the Tour Championship. His form's been really solid. Yeah, he's missed two cuts all year on the PGA Tour. Mm. Oh, and his form winning has been, yeah. he's been outstanding. Yeah. He's been strong. So, so I'll ask you in a moment what it's what it means to you and your crop, because I think he means Tiger winning. Yeah, yeah. and Tiger, just Tiger still okay. being relevant. Yep. But the TV numbers, look, this is of no surprise to anybody, you know, because we all know what he means to the media around the game. But NBC's coverage of the Tour Championship was up 200%. 206% it was up on last year's audience. So so that's... that's... The the rating was up 206% over 2017 Tour Championship. So So that's triple, more than triple. Exactly, the audience. Just because he was in the mix now... You know, you can you can dive into the rabbit hole and you can keep going if you want to see what he brings to the game. But much the way, you know, Colin Kaepernick is doing what he's doing for Nike's bottom line, and we've seen the bounce back after idiots were torching their T-shirts and their runners. <laughs> They've now, their, their share price is at an all-time high. That's what this bloke is to not only the game of golf, but he is to the corporate aspect of the game, mm. to Nike, to the TV networks, to the PGA Tour. He is, it's beyond the needle needle line. It's way more than that now. Mm. Like the reality of what Tiger is for you, Brett Coletta, mm. in terms of what you're playing for, uh, for the next 20 years of your professional golfing career. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's too much to say you can lay that all at the feet of Tiger Woods. But, it's not. It's not far fetched. No, no, it's real. It's real, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before Brett gives his answer about what he means to that era, just have a think for a second. There's a vague chance that he'll come down beforehand and and do a bit of promotion. What is the President's Cup going to look like next year at Royal Melbourne? I mean, it's going to be off the charts now. I mean, there was already excitement, but it's just gone bang. Yeah. You know. Do you remember the Masters? I can't remember what year, but. 09? Oh, it was, was it 09? It was All the choppers and stuff around for a Tuesday practice round? Yeah. Right. I, was, I went out there on the <laughs> Thursday morning. It was like, I'll never forget it. It was about 29 degrees at about 7.30 in the morning. It was an unbelievable, the weather was perfect. Yeah. And I got out there late. He, his round had started. It was like Kingston Heath was empty. Mm. It was like there was, but then, you know, he's on the, he's on, on one of the holes sort of out the back of the course. Yeah. And you kind of you went hole jumping to get to where he was, and then you saw it like a mass of humanity, like yeah. ten thousand. It was like ten thousand buffalo who were just <laughs> like trying to get ahead of him, and they, they were just completely yeah. congregated. There were all these other players who were just you know, good They're players. Good, everyone's yeah. good, mate. It's, the depth is there. But all these people just want. So, to you, for a kid who's and you're you're a kid starting out in the game, yeah. What has Tiger meant? What has the impact of Woods meant to you? They... Uh, currently or previous... no, just in your, the way, when you started hey. hooking into the game, yep. now that you're a chance at some stage in the not-too-distant future yeah. to maybe be teeing it up against him. Freakish. Um, you might be in the President's Cup against him next year, mate. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that, isn't it? <laughs> but growing up, you know, obviously Tiger Woods was the poster boy for golf. He was literally on everything from PlayStation games to newspapers to 
everything you know he was on it he was the guy to look up to and you know i was i was a kid you know just a wide-eyed open kid and i would always look up to him and always want the newest nike gear and want the clothing <laughs> and you know he was the best ambassador ever and obviously the one of the best companies in the world have taken on him but um like from a point of view of just growing up with him and now knowing in not too distant future that i could be pegging it up against him it's it's freakish it's and he's back and he's he's here and he's ready to play and he's back at his form too you're not playing against a broken tiger nah, nah. you're playing against a roaring tiger that's that pretty well oh, put yeah. very well put Jeez, i'm not gonna be out of a job here in <laughs> where's my <laughs> job in here yeah? <laughs> 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 so he's up when, to third back to third in the world yeah, you know, yeah. so when you were you know having your putt to win the the masters when you were a 12 year old yeah. mucking around on practice greens were you beating tiger Norman, Scott, who are you beating? It's Tiger, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Just checking. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> so it's happened and it's happening. And as you said, Justin, he is now uh, a $9, a nine to one favourite already installed to win the first major of 2019. And who's to sit here? All you have, you have. But really, well, who's to with sit no here confidence could, at all. No, no. I, I just like to think that the Tour Championship is. Well, it feeds into all my sensibilities about all the crap that I've been banging on about here to say that it's just a Mickey Mouse construct. Not something that Brett Coletta or anyone else would grow up wanting to win and play, other than the money aspect, obviously. Whereas every person will bleed to try and get the Wanamaker or the Claret Jug or the Green Jacket or whatever it is. So... It's next. That's next level. Can he do it? Well, I'm not going to be stupid enough to say it's impossible now, am I? So it might even be a blessing in disguise the way it's happened as well now, because we still we've got him to get the first win, but now we're still in the back pocket. If he's going to win another one, he's going to win a full field event, and that's yeah. going to be like another step up. And then if he can win another major, that's more. I think this year's been so cool, just with the build, the way it's happened. He played in his own event. Um, he played his own event. He. Then went to the Valspar, nearly won that. Played really well at Bay Hill. He got to the Masters, played a major, and that was just like another checkpoint that everyone was so excited about. Nearly won. He was right in the thick of it in the Open, PGA then, and then now he's just played so well through the end of the year and finally got a win. It's just been like gradual 12-month build, and he's just so exciting. The footnote is that Justin Rose won the FedEx Cup and pocketed $10 million, and no one's talking about it. And he like dropped literally no one's. And you know what? He dropped the number two in the world, the poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. No one's. <laughs> he pocketed. About. He put ten million in the skyrocket and fell from one to two. Brett Coletta's in the studio with us, rising young Australian pro. We'll talk about your time in Canada um, on the other side of the break. But a whole lot of your contemporaries are taken, as you are as well, but taking significant strides to, and quickly. You yeah. know, we we knew we know the talents deep in Australian men's golf. Yeah. Um, but this week we've seen three of your your contemporaries confirm themselves as working members of the two biggest tours on planet Earth. Yeah, uh, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? It is. It's great for golf. It's just awesome. You know, these these are the kids that you know you've grown up with, and you've seen them. You know, you've you've played against them, you've beaten them, you've lost to them, you've done everything basically with them. Played state teams, and you know, all of a sudden they're at the top. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. It's great. So we're talking about Cam Davis and we who we knew and Curtis Luck who gets the job done, yeah. along with Matty Jones who already had it locked away the PJ Tour card for next year, and brilliantly. I mean, absolutely brilliantly. And I know it plays second fiddle to America, but 
the way Lucas Herbert got himself into the number he had to get into, and he, he'd be half filthy that he didn't win. He'd be over full filthy. He, he would. He'd be full filthy that he didn't win. <laughs> He's either full or none. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. But the fact that he ju- he didn't blow it, like he just, mm. you know, Tommy Lewis is. We know how good a player yes. he potentially is. And he went past him, you know, with a 67 or whatever. Lewis shot in the final round. But the way Herbert just kept it together, posted the number. He always was once he was sitting where he was sitting after three rounds. But he's done it really impressively, Lucas. I reckon he's been, don't, don't we all agree, he's done it really well over in Europe from limited starts. Oh, incredibly yeah. well. He's parlayed a limited number of opportunities into the maximum exposure on that tournament, in that uh, tour. And, you know, he sat right where Brett Collette is sitting right now three weeks ago, and you knew that he had Portugal in his mind. He worked it out, hadn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he was hopeful of playing in the Netherlands or whatever, but he, I don't know what it was, but he had something about Portugal, and he had, and he had that, pardon the pun here, but the eye of the tiger all week. Mm. So, um, oh, for the longest time, he was in the in the Dubai field. But we're here, he's fighting for a card, and he's going to take two or three quantum leaps up into the race to Dubai final and play for the big bucks in Dubai in November. Uh, so he's just on the outskirts of that still at 64. But, wow, what a – it's unbelievable. He's it only really had 21 is. starts on the European tour. And he's got his full card. And potentially – and who's to say he's not going to, like, climb up another four rungs here in the next few weeks to play for the, all the, you know, all the biscuits in the European tour as an affiliate member to start the season. Awesome, just awe-inspiring. And I'm I, when you were introducing that topic, Andy, I'm just I'm I those well. You followed him, Hazy. I mean, you through your role, and you too, Justin. You, yeah, you guys have been documenting these young men and young women's stories. We'll focus on the men for the time, but you've been documenting their stories and telling their stories to anybody who's been prepared to listen. That this wave is coming in Australian golf, and suddenly, you know, you're part of this, Brett. And I know mm. you know you're part of it, but. Um, it's here. Like, it's actually, it's here in front of us now, you know, yeah. and you're not far away from, but because they do, what does it mean to you? Because they've done it, yeah. in terms of your your belief mechanisms that you need to have intact in this game, believe you belong and all that sort of stuff, what does it, what does it do for you? I think it's just a testament of how hard we all kind of work. And obviously people are going to rise and fall at different rates. You know, these guys... You know, I, I feel like I'm a little bit behind the eight ball because I was kind of not playing as frequently as they were on the main tours and wasn't kind of getting that exposure. But, uh, you know, it's it's obviously everyone thinks that it's quite a far-fetched dream to play on these main tours, but all these guys are human. You know, they're all out there. They're, they're the same. You know, yeah. We're all just out there trying to do it. And, you know, the guys that are doing really well, you know, they're, they're running high on confidence and, you know, they're just riding their wave and everyone, you know, everyone gets their time. So everyone this year has had their time. You know, Herbert's having his time now. Curtis was in no man's land there. I think you'll agree with me. He was in trouble mm. and he knew it too. And he's just pulled his finger out and off he goes. He's pegging it up on the PGA Tour. Cam, you know, he won the Aussie Open and then, you know, kind of slumped and then, you know, won again. You know, he was just, you know, he's having his time. You know, I'm, I played awesome this year, don't get me wrong, but... You know, I'm I'm happy. I'm waiting for my time. Just yeah. being patient. Well, that's pretty important. How old are you? Just remind us. Twenty. Just turned twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> it is twenty-two. Well, the best thing, Andy, is to, and not everyone can get out and watch, and that's fine. Or nor is it everyone's bag. But 
when the Australian Interstate Series or a bigger one of the national ranking series or an Australian amateur comes to your town, get out and watch it because the next Brett Clutter and Curtis Luck and Lucas Herbert is right there in front of your eyes. And every time they pegged up in an Interstate Series that I watch these guys play, they are... um, it's tooth and nail. It's on. Mm. It's it's on like Donkey Kong because they know they can beat each other. Both they know they can win and they know they can lose. So everyone who's pegged it up against Curtis Luck from pennant practice at Cottesloe to Asia Pacific amateur level mm. at any stage in the past five years goes, oh my god, there's my man. There he is. Come yeah. on, I can do that. It's yeah, so, good. Yeah. so good. So yeah. good. Oh, can't wait. Well, let's get a look. There's others we need to talk about, and we will before the show's done. Harrison Endicott has done some stuff overseas on the, on the Latin American tour we need to talk about, which we will. We're going to catch up with Michelle Watts as well, the Blind World Golf Championships. She'll be representing. But we need to talk more to Brett Coletta about where you are at right now, what you've been doing, mm-hmm. and we'll do that on the other side of this break on Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. This is Rebecca Arda, professional golfer on the LPGA. Don't forget to listen to the podcast Inside the Ropes. Catch up on all the golfing news around the world. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, episode number 62. Andy Mar, Mark Hayes, uh, Justin Falconer, and Brett Coletta, uh, our special guest in the studio. Well, you've been part of the conversation about Tiger and a couple of your mates and contemporaries yeah. of young Australian golf. Tell us, uh, for those who don't know, we've been mentioning you occasionally on the show. Tell us what you've been doing with your golf this year. Uh, so this year I obtained my Canadian Tour card, which essentially is the third tier of the PJ Tour underneath Webb. Um, and if you've been keeping tabs, it hasn't really played as the third <laughs> tier Tour. I mean, I've played awesome this year. I played some really good events and really strung some really good rounds together. And, you know, and I was really, I was good. I finished 22nd on the order of merit, which allows me to skip a stage at Q School, which is, you know, just saves stress and money, really. Yeah. Or gets rid of stress and saves money. But, um, yeah, I, I, I had a really good year, I thought. And, you know, it kind of gets a bit shadowed by all these guys doing really well on the main tours. But, you know, it come back. It just comes back to patience and all that stuff, and you know you just got to wait for your time. How are you measuring your game? What, I mean, you can post the numbers and you can yeah. see where you're finishing. How are you measuring it away from the numbers? Um, good. You know, there's only so much you can do on a golf course. Really, there's you can just you just pick your spots and you got to hit them as well as you can. Yeah. It's as simple as that. But um, you know, I, I walked. I walked out of the season, you know, I I was sitting 27th, top 25 gets a skip stage, so I was sitting just outside that with two events to go, and I was, you know, I wanted to come back home and have substantial time at home to hang out with some family and stuff like that, which would allow me to stay for an extra few weeks, skipping another stage. So, you know, I pulled my finger out last two events and had a top five and a, and a top 15. So, um, you know, in that regard, you know, Having knowing I can play that extra gear if I need to was really, you know, it's, it's comforting because you know, and you know, the guys on 
Webb did it this year. Curtis did it. You know, he was in no man's land and he put it into another gear and off he went and really excelled. So were you safe after Montreal the second last week or did you have to do something last no, week? I, I I thought I was. I talked to Ian, my manager, and he said, you're probably three, three grand clear, which is quite a bit. It's top heavy, the tour, mm. for prize money. But, you know, I, I came 12th that um that last event and I scraped in by probably four grand so I couldn't lay back mm. and I wouldn't ever do it anyway but I, I tough one I don't it depended how everyone played and everyone around that 25 mark seemed to lift because they knew it was on the line yeah so, of course yeah. so yeah. tell us some of the numbers mate I mean it's a freak show we know, yeah. know the web is you know a low scoring tour but some of the numbers around the Mackenzie tour in Canada are just off the charts, Insanity. stupid. Yeah, well, it caught me off guard. Like, it really caught me off guard. There was a lot of... I mean, a lot of these kids are just coming out of college. And, you know, they're just hungry to play individually and hungry to play for themselves. You know, coming out of college, a team environment. And these guys are just like, no, nah, I'm doing this. And they get their card and they're pumped. And, you know, I think one of the first... Well, the first four weeks, it was four in a row. I believe that there was a course record broken... Every event. <laughs> so, what sort of cut? Well, wow. What what sort of cut marks are we talking about? Yeah, so it really depended, but it wasn't weird to see a minus six cut, minus seven. So you can play, you can play really well. Yeah, you know, like you can shoot a good and still miss the cut up there. Yeah, like you got to play awesome to make the cut. Oh, mate, there was a couple of events like I had my, I played probably two two bad events, yeah. and I missed the cut by maybe three or four. You, know, you put that down to maybe just something different, maybe fatigue or execution errors and stuff. But I, the hardest part is you do play well. Like you might have a pair of 68s, four unders, and you're minus eight, and you make the cut by one or two or whatever, <laughs> which is it's sickening to think yeah, about. And then is. you're sitting at T44 or T42, and you're pegging it up at 8.30 in no contention. Uh-huh. And I mean, like I said, the, the prize money is really top heavy. So, you know, you're playing... It, it, when you get that low and you're kind of getting towards the tip end of it, you know, one shot might be 50 bucks or something like that. So Quantify, when you say you've been playing well, but it doesn't necessarily show it on the leaderboard, yeah. Quanti- can you? did you do your stats? How many under par were you and all that uh, sort of thing? It would have been close to 100 under par <laughs> for like 12 events. I was looking at your numbers. There was weeks where you'd finished 15 or 16 under and you'd barely be in the top 10. Like, yeah, uh, no, barely God. top 15. Does it, make you, does it make you play differently knowing that you've just Yeah, it's, it's something yeah, yeah. you don't really want to be sticking around that. Because I, I, I had this hypothesis all year of, you know, I, I come from Melbourne. I play on sandbelt courses yeah. for tournaments. And we all know how sandbelt works. You do not go for certain pins. You hmm. do not hit it in certain places. You're dead. We're out in Canada. It's it's a bit different. There's, you know, they they put the pins in corners. That's their only defence. But I mean, you can just throw your fifty four at it and it just spins back to six feet or something like that. There's no real thought and no real kind of, you know, it, you don't have to have a really high IQ. I feel like a golf IQ to play out there. But is that I mean, fr- is that frustrating? It's very frustrating. Yeah. yeah, especially coming from here and you know putting a lot of time and effort into that. But you know, you, you you can't sit there and weep. You got to go out there and just do your best. And for the most part, I did play pretty well at some events. And you know, I had a what, I had two top fives for the year. And you know, I, I put it down to you pretty much have to win one to get into that top ten to get to final stage. 
So I put it to Curtis Luck a few weeks ago when he talked with us on the podcast about uh, the fact that he'd be better off as the competition and courses got harder. Yeah. And I, I, I'm going to say to you guys, and I love your opinion on it, mm. Brett's the same category. Mm. Brett needs the hard yards to really show how good he is in comparison to the other people he's playing against. Does that, does that ring true with you? Yeah. Well, I'd like to think so. Because that's what you're training. You, no one, if you're a young kid, right, you're a young elite amateur kid, you're not training for the web.com tour. You're not training for the McKenzie tour. You're training for the PGA tour. And the PGA tour is quite different to those two tours. So it's, it's, it's a bit subjective and it's a bit hard to kind of really mesh something together because everyone that really, I mean, 90, what, what would you think? 90 plus percent go through this kind of range before the PGA tour. Yeah. Like, I mean, that Joaquin Neiman just kind of shotgun through it all. But that's one in a century. He's a big exception. Yeah. So, Lisa, it's fascinating listening to you talk about this. I find this really, really interesting, the way that you have to snap yourself out of the strategic high IQ type of golf that you've grown up playing. Mm. Did you have that moment where you just went, okay, I've just got it. You said earlier you've got to um, pick your spot and hit it at it. Is that what you end up doing? Like, is is it just – does it become track man – Golf is is that sort of what it becomes? Yeah, throw darts. Yeah, that's it, right? Give yeah. me the number and just let me hit it yeah. straight straight at pins, right? That's yeah. Did that take some adjustment for you to do? Yes, it did. I, I think I had my little epiphany maybe two or three weeks in. The first two weeks, I played pretty well. I had like a top top fifteen, top twenty, a couple of those, and you know I only had like minus seven and minus six, and I finished top fifteen. I was thinking this season is going to be great. You know, I'm playing. You know, 75% of my best golf and I'm still up there. What you'd kind of expect for a third grade tour. And then all of a sudden we got to the third event. And, uh, you know, I, I played really well. got to the cut. I think I might have had minus, I think it was minus seven the second round. I was sitting T third or something. Nothing happened for me on the weekend. Just played mediocre golf and I finished 35th or something. And I had a little epiphany after that tournament and said, you got to snap out of it. you got to change something, which is really... It's hard. It's really taxing mentally because you kind of put all your eggs in that basket to play how you've been trained to play. And it just, you know, it doesn't go all out the window. For the most part, it does. So so who did you, did you talk yeah. to someone about that or do you kind of arrive at that yourself? I arrived at it myself, but I just got the confirmation with others, which, you know, anyone that kind of knows what's going on with the golf game and what's going on with the main tours agrees. Yeah. But can't be a downer about it. You've got to go out there and just peg it up and just try and have as low as you can. So if you, if you look from 12 months ago before you started in Canada to now, yeah. what parts of your game, what areas do you think you just have improved out of sight? In what's, what are those sort of things that have got you to 22nd on the money list? Um, I think the fact that being 20 under par is sort of normal <laughs> and having 68 is Not mediocre. And having, you know, uh, it was just crazy. Like uh, You just see these scoreboard numbers as you're going around and there's minus nine, minus eight, 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 seven, five sixes. And you're like, what? <laughs> what the? This, but, this yeah. actually has like an impact right back down. We've talked about it before and I hope clubs are listening around around the country that they do start setting up the tees a long way forward so that the kids can start getting used to shooting good numbers. Mm. Because I'm sure I've got utmost confidence in in Brett. I'm, he's 
awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm his he's fan. Ca- he's he, know, okay. he, he knows yeah. that. Yeah. But you know, it, it it's a shock. This is a shock. If you're not strong, yeah. a shock's a good word. If you're not strong enough to deal with that, you can get spat out the back pretty quickly. There, you know, he is. He's fine. But there's others who wouldn't be, nor have the capacity to deal with those numbers. But um, I think it's really important that we sort of expand our views of who it is and how we send our young young guys and girls across because, you know, traditionally they've all had great swings and not spectacular short games and they've been honed on shooting 68s around tough courses. Yeah. And the reality is they need to be really outstanding short game exponents and be able to go really low in pat- yeah. in batches. The, even to listen to Brett say top-end money, like the – how do you describe it? The money is top-heavy. Uh, top-heavy. Top heavy. That's that says everything because it's no good being Mr. Sixty Eight on the no, on the McKenzie it tour. Reward consistency. Well, how many times have we mentioned it this year on this show over the last couple of years, uh, for that matter, about a guy like Justin Thomas? Yeah. Like Justin Thomas, he misses cuts. Uh, he's, those numbers are starting to moderate now, but on the way through, Thomas is missing. He'd miss a cut every four four tournaments. Yeah. But he'd win a lot, you know. So when he was on. Yes. He won or he finished top 10. He didn't care about missing a cut. Well, missing a cut was no big deal for him. I'll just yeah. go get him next week, you know? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what he, – he would have worked that out. It would have been a component of poor execution, poor prep for the tournament or just clearly fatigued or something like that. You know, these guys are too good just to be missing cuts. Mm, mm. So there'll be a component of that. But, yeah, I mean, I think a good one as well is probably Cam Davis. Like, Cam's – Unreal player, he really is. Like he's 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 great to watch, and he's got all the talent you've ever seen. And you know he he was kind of same thing, no man's land. He won, but before that he was just kind of playing off, you know, just not consistent weeks, and he was just kind of travelling around, and you know there was no stability in kind of where he could prep and stuff like that. And mm. he goes and wins, and you know that changes again for him, and then you know has a little slump, and then goes really well in the playoffs. So I'm kind of I'm just trying to gather how how I'm going to approach my next year basically with that and even the Australian summer. Yeah, yeah. So do you have someone helping you through that? Like is that yeah? I mean, get? a lot of it's personal and mental how yeah. you see it because how you perceive what I've talked about is different how I perceive what I think. So um, I think it's more just kind of sitting myself literally in a corner for how long it needs to be and say, okay, this is what. This is normal. This is new. This is what it has to be. So, in terms of, so just before we get to a break, mm. you, you finish where you finish on the money list over the order of merit over there. Yeah, you're through to the second stage. So, when is that? Where is that? What do you do between now and then? Yeah. So I, so with web.com, you got to put your first, second, third stage just in case it all happens. But I was lucky enough to get through. So I'm doing mine at Bear Creek, which is Southern California. Uh, I believe it's the week before New South Wales Open, which is early or late October, early November. Early November. So yeah. I kind of we sat down and we pe- we picked a time so I could venture around all the Aussie stuff because I I'm kind of bit backwards on the money list there and I want to have a good summer there as well to keep yeah. my card. Okay. Yeah. What did so, you status on the Aussie tour? I don't know. I haven't checked. This is the Queensland uh, Open winner years. as an amateur yeah. a couple of years ago, Andy. Uh-huh. And she nearly won the next week at the New South Wales Open. That's well. right. Yeah. 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 Oh, it'd be great to see you plan to play as many Australian tournaments as you can. Yeah, I love coming back and playing at home. 
Awesome. Yeah. Good, good. Let's get a break out of the way. There's more. You're going to stick. You can stick yeah, around. Stick yeah, around. perfect. Record is going to stick around. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff we want to talk <laughs> about, but um, the World Blind Golf Championships are on. Michelle Watts is representing us. We're going to meet her on the other side of this. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Visit swingfit.com.au. G'day guys, it's Brian Russell here, and I'm a long way from home playing on the Latin America tour and living in the US, but I keep up with all my Australian golf while listening to Inside the Roast. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you're listening to Inside the Roast, Brett Coletta, our special guest, Justin Felton, and Mark Hayes, and Andy Marr. Um, it's a remarkable game. You've been talking about Vision 2025 and Part of golf's um, ambition and aim is to expand it, become a game for everybody. And our next guest is going to be living and breathing testimony to that, uh, that this is very much a game for all people of all capabilities. Um, the World Golf Champ- Blind Golf Championship is going to be taking place shortly over in uh, Italy, and Michelle Watts is going to be representing Australia, and she's been good enough to join us on the show. Michelle, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, good morning. This is um, day one at the um, San Fabiano, just near Siena, training camp with my caddies. This doesn't sound like much of a training camp. This sounds like a, a this <laughs> sounds like some sort of a, a romp, and you're going to play a little bit of golf over there at the same time, are you? We are. We we have located a, um, a lovely golf course called La Bagna somewhere um, close to Siena, and we're going to attack that tomorrow as a three and um, see how that goes. So you've already mentioned you and, two caddies twice now, Michelle. We haven't even got going. Mm-hmm. So what role do they play for you? Because it's clearly different to, a, in inverted commas, a yeah. normal caddy. Yeah, you can't um, play in any of the blind golf um, competitions without a caddy um, because they act as um, the blind golfer's eyes, um, not only to find your ball or line you up but also to describe the course that you can't see the you know the up and down the whether the green's raised or um whether there's a hazard before the green so um you know it's a um supercharged version of the normal caddy that's extraordinary so uh, uh, just Give us a typical discourse that would take place between you and your caddy. Imagine, Michelle, you're standing on a 350-metre par four um, with a bit of a dog leg right and a bunker, say, 230 metres down there on the left. What, what, how, what sort of conversation do you have with your caddy? How would that go? Um, they would line me up from a point of view of best side, because you've just said it's a dog leg, they'd hopefully tell me to you know, go to the left or right to so that I've got a good second shot in. Um, they'd if if that bunker was um, reachable by me, which at two thirty, um, sadly it wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> they <laughs> they would then um, make sure I didn't you know hit straight into it. So they they would be familiar with my sort of club distances. Um, 
I line up sometimes. It's just reassuring for me if I have a, my own something to line up with and uh, if there's really visual um, trees or something like that that stand out, it, it doesn't help if they're just all one big bushy sort of look. That that can be a good line in the, in the distant sky or tips of shadows or something like that. Then, I, then, then I'll line up myself with their after they've audibly described it and then they'll check it before I hit. So that'd be shot number one. Sort of thing. So, typically, how long would that take? Is it about the same amount of time as um, anybody who's playing without the assistance um, of a caddy in your form of the game would take? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You sort of get it down to um, you know a nutshell. Blind golf can take a bit more time when you're actually playing it with going around in two or three because you know the caddies are talking about it. But once we get underway, yeah. I like to walk. And so we'll be talking about the next shot just like you would in mainstream golf be quicker uh, than, before you get to it. Be quicker yeah. than Patrick yeah. Cantlay, oh, Andy. Oh, Cantlay, Cantlay. got him well and truly covered. No <laughs> doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, yeah, you, yeah. Won the, you won last year's Australian Championship, Blind Championship at Royal Sydney. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was my sort of first sort of Australian Open. Um, and uh, I suppose I just walked into that not really knowing, I hadn't played the course and um, um, uh, I, I had uh, an experienced caddy, um, not necessarily, a, he hadn't necessarily had the familiarity of Royal Sydney, but he'd certainly caddied a lot of um, blind golf before. Um, and um, I was um, unaware of the number of bunkers. And <laughs> so I think he was pretty good um, blind golf caddy in that he, he did manage the risk side of it pretty well and tried to keep me out of the 250 bunkers um, but I went into quite a lot of them <laughs> unavoidable <laughs> but uh, yeah so that so that was a real thrill yeah. and more so a thrill for him actually I think he must have done a pretty good job and now you're one of eight Australians headed to Rome for the world championships mm. who else have you got with you on the team um, there are um, two Lady players. Mm -hmm. Jenny has played a lot of blind golf. Jenny McCallum, she's from Perth, and her husband caddies for her regularly. Uh, and the other um, six are um, all male players from uh, New South Wales and Queensland mixture. Um, many of them have played a fair bit. I think Mark um, has... Um, he's pretty new to it and he just won the Queensland Open a couple of months ago sort of thing so um, some of them have got um, most of them have got sort of caddies that have done it for a while with them but and they become sort of traveling companions and things uh, so I've met them most of them already all nice people that's part of the lovely part of it. it's a camaraderie um, amongst you know, people who are in, able to keep on enjoying the game. But this will be my first time meeting any of the internationals, except for the two that came out for uh, the Royal Sydney one. Uh, so I obviously met those. So, Michelle, I'm not is sure there, whether they're coming back. Is there a stronghold of where blind golf is uh, prevalent and, and strong in, qu in quality in Australia? Other than Jenny McCallum, you mentioned from Perth, 
uh, is it an eastern seaboard sort of dominated thing with Queensland uh, and New South Wales? It, yeah, it um, seems to be um, pretty equal in numbers between New South Wales and Victoria. Um, and Queensland are starting to get quite a new number of players on board, and, uh, including a couple of females, which is good. And Michelle, um, how often have you been competing um, in blind golf? Clearly, it sounds like you've been playing the game for a long time. Has, how, how, how have you found yourself playing this format of the game? Um, well, I only really started last year um, because my sight loss has only been in the last, um, well, three to four years. Yeah. So it takes a bit of adjustment on that itself before you start um, sort of a- actually adding things to your life. And so last year I started with the New South Wales Open which was then paired with the Australian Open. And I have played a few just um, club games where the New South Wales players meet weekly. Um, They go to Barmel Park, known as Barney, on Saturday. And um, then then I um, went down to Victoria in March for the Victorian Open, and I went to um, Adelaide, and they hold there's just near Glen Elk and I did that in May. Michelle, I, I would imagine... So this, is the, this is the next one. I, I would imagine that um, when you're confronted by a challenge like this, you know, you, you lose your eyesight, you lose a limb, whatever, whatever it might be, you, you have something taken away from you that you've had for, for the most part of your life, um, that it would be easy to say, no, I can't do things anymore. You, you clearly have decided that's not going to be the case with you. H- how vital is it for you, for your state of mind, for your happiness, for your well-being, that you can do what you're doing, um, you know, right now? Oh, it's an absolute delight to be able to play blind golf because my favourite game now, in if I play mainstream, is a team event. And blind golf is a team event all the way with with your caddy. So you're, you know, the joy is working with them and seeing if the shot comes off and um, finishing as a partnership. So the fact that the ball is stationary and you're able to, you know, hit a good shot or bad shot or whatever, and and then continue to play with the help of the caddy, it's it's um, exhilarating, fantastic. So Michelle, cool. yeah. Michelle, you've been a a golfer for a couple of decades at Monash and, and Chatswood in particular, um, I understand. Did you ever get the inkling that you might look down and see a Golf Australia badge or, you know, in your case, have someone maybe describe it to you, but the the feeling of pulling on an Australian uniform at a world championship, how does that sound to you? Oh, I was never going to happen <laughs> in my mainstream golf. No, I can't believe it. My... Um, children think it's crazy that I've got a white t-shirt with Australia written on it that I'm going to wear and uh, <laughs> it's very funny and and these monster trophies from last year so no very very I did not think that and uh, when I bought my audible GPS while I still had sight I did not think 
that it would become the most valuable thing in my toolkit, I can tell you. Well, we are very blessed, Michelle, to have a lot of great um, representatives of this nation of ours. Um, as you very well know, you're one of them now, and we're only meeting you for five or six minutes on the show this week, but um, hopefully it's not the end of the friendship. Hopefully we get to hear more about you um, after this event and through the rest of your golfing life. Um, thanks so much for joining us on the show and all the very best in Rome. Um, enjoy Thank Siena you. before you get down there. Uh, it's a fair part of the world that you find yourself right now. Um, we mm. wish you all the very best. Yeah, thanks. the carbohydrates are very good up here. <laughs> and um, and, and um, I will um, keep you tabbed next week um, when, um, when we're all there. We'll let you know. Good yeah, luck. Thanks please. for joining us. We'd love yeah. to keep yeah, people informed your of your progress. Good on you. Michelle Watts yeah, joining us who's okay. representing Australia in the World Blind Golf Championships in Rome. There's a lot of amazing things happening in the world of sport. Um, that's one of them, I reckon. Uh, and you mentioned it right off the top with her, that the inclusivity of what's happening in golf now is really turning corners for a lot of people. And golf's clearly playing a big part in her mm. rehabilitation, her new life. Um, and all these names, Andy, that she sort of mentioned. So Jenny McCallum is her female partner in yep, the team. Yep. There's also, um, from Queensland, there's Brad Carver and Glenn Nikolachevsky, um, and Mark Eshbank, Stephen Mitchell, Gary Sargent, and Graham Colton, all from New South Wales. Go well, guys. Oh, we're we're, we're, we're yeah. absolutely excited that you've got the chance to represent Australia and doing something that a hell of a lot of us can't ever imagine doing. So go strong, and we're really proud of you. Hard focusing on a game of golf in Siena, just quietly. Like, it's not too shabby, is it? Oh no, it's beautiful. It's sort of a slightly lofted golf course with those sweeping vistas over the valleys below. Have you, have you have you played any golf over in Italy? No, I haven't. I've only been Scotland, England. Where are the Colettas from? You must know. Where we your are Italian. Is. Yeah, of course. Where's the? Do you know much about the family origins? Yeah, so we are Triestian, which is top northeast, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, right on the border of. Uh, was it Sublinia? I think it's Sublinia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got the yeah. blonde hair. He's got to be a northerner. Blonde? Blonde? Calorish. Calorish, yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, if you reckon he's blonde, blonde. I, if you <laughs> reckon he's blonde, I've actually got You're gonna it. You're going to be playing next week, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, bits and pieces before we wrap it up. Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, one of your, although you probably got him by, how old's Harry? How old's Harrison Endicott these days? My age, I think. Is he so yeah. same age as you? So yeah. one of your boy, contemporaries, um, like you, trying to work his way through the grades in inverted commas, if you like, had a good week yep. uh, over in Brazil this week. Uh, ran second in the Brazilian Open on Latin and Latino America, which um, is a step in the right. If we're looking for steps in the right direction, it's very much one of those. I think Harrison um, has, you know, had parts of this season where it hasn't come together, but he's actually been really good the last little while, uh, and uh, uh, had four great rounds to mm. to get a T two, and it took a barnstorming finish to actually knock him off. As I tr search around here for paperwork, Andy, which I can't find, but he's up to seventeenth on the order of merit. Not too late for him to kick through and, you know, yeah. potentially even get top five and, and go straight through onto web.com. But he's starting to work his way into into position and there's still tournaments left down in that part of the world. And just while we're in that tour, um, I did have the chance very briefly to speak to Ryan Ruffles earlier today and he's just recovering. I didn't realise from a um, dislocated shoulder okay. that, he, that he suffered during just a, a freak golf injury. And he's, he's fine. He's on the way back and he's 
feeling good about his game for those who you know, he's been a regular name on our podcast. Oh, so he's uh, coming back, but he's going to be behind Harrow. So Harrow, good on you, mate. We uh, another another one to really cheer home. Great result this week. Fantastic, absolutely. Um, now something we've all been looking forward to, and it's been. I'm going to say three weeks in the making. Three give, weeks. Give or take. Give or take. Mm-hmm. Is Clayton and Herbert. Clayton v. Herbert. And Falconer and Hayes and Commonwealth Golf Club and Ballada Golf Balls, persimmon-headed drivers and the modern-day equipment. Uh, the video, we're recording this at half past four. We're speaking right now on a Tuesday afternoon in Melbourne. So I'm not sure when you're listening By to this. By the time you're hearing this, yeah. it will be out. So what will be out? Uh, we took, as we've mentioned, her, Lucas, Clates, Hazy and I went down to Commonwealth, uh, stuck those two on the 18th tee, and Herbie just let rip pretty much for three or four, it was three or four hours in the end. Mm. We couldn't get him off the tee box. We... <laughs> By the end, we stopped filming, and then I, we sort of needed to come together and do a, a little outro piece. And Herbie was just still lashing them down the 18th. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting, and he really enjoyed it. I think um, he was great for it, and yeah, hopefully everyone enjoys what they see. So we'll find that this, in various places, but golf.org.au, yeah, social media uh, add-ons, it'll be available all over the place. This will go viral. Andy. So Brett Coletta. Yep. young guy using the modern day equipment, this conversation about the ball going too far, I'm sure you've probably got, well, I'm not sure, but I suspect you'd have a view on that. Yeah. Have you got a view on that? Yeah, uh, well, I don't really have two leagues to stand on here. I haven't played with the old equipment before. And so, Herbie was like that as well. Yeah. I think. He admitted he'd barely hit, and he struggled early, and he sort of realised, well, I've actually never really hit one of these clubs. And Are you a bit interested to go and do something like that? Oh, just yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous, actually, yeah. if I'm honest. We'll start a series, <laughs> I'd love to have a go at it. <laughs> but um, it's just, back then, it's changed so much, obviously. You can talk to anyone that played back in the day. Clates would be the perfect person to talk to about it. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have a clue how the ball reacts off a persimmon club with a softer ball, like mm. a ballada. And I've never had a dip at it. So, and I, I think a lot of the guys these days... You give them enough time, they'd be able to adapt. Hmm. But you'd find a lot of differences within misses, severity of misses, dispersions, all that stuff. It's like he's been watching him. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Everything yeah. that Brett just oh. said is exactly what happened. And and the most instructional thing for me was the first five or six shots that Herbie hit with a persimmon driver and the Ballada balls were off the radar. And he just abandoned them for sake of... The statistics on the track, man, yeah, he, ab- yeah. he abandoned them. Like, take know, them off. The shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly scientific process we run down at Yeah. <laughs> but he actually said, and you can watch him, you can, after every shot, he analyzed it for, primarily for Clates, I think. Oh, I can't wait to see. But he actually like, analyzed, and he's trying to figure out angle of attack and sweet spots and all these different things that yeah. he doesn't normally have to con- mm. contemplate. He mm. just grabs his driver and rips it. Now he's got to you know, hit it on the right path, hit it on the right plane, find the sweet spot. Da-da-da-da. It's spinning double, double, wasn't it, Justin? Yeah, it's spin yeah, this, the spin rate from new ball, new driver to old ball, old driver was extraordinary. Yeah, the stats, the stats alone are worth watching this for. But just to li- listen to him go through the um, the tribulations of learning. Do we get a sense of of Clayton's glee? <laughs> yes, we, we did off camera. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. that's worth watching. I reckon. Yeah, that will be worth watching. This will go viral because it'll go around the world. It's not. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. No, no, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I really cannot wait. Um, 
The other thing we can't wait for, and just in case it needed any extra um, sort of momentum given to it, um, it got it, didn't it? The Ryder Cup this week. We'll be talking about it on next week's show, obviously. But um, with Tiger, you know, now franking the form and being a winner going in, this thing is going to be all time, I reckon. Like for a thing that's a bit out of control, really. The Ryder Cup, the emotions and the mm. patriotism that's attached to it these days. This thing will be. Imagine if it was in America this year. Dread uh, drink. It would be frightening, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be frightening. <laughs> it seriously would yeah. be. So we're going to the national in, in Paris. Uh, who knows? Do you reckon the French will fire up? No. I don't know. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Don't strike me as the no. fired up type. So it's going to well, take someone to come across the channel and oh, scream in a you know, mm. Cockney accent at them or something. Mm. I don't know. I think it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. I oh, really do. Oh, there'll be enough travelling lunatics to bring the requisite sort of mania mm. uh, to it, even if the French you know, aren't necessarily that way inclined. It'll be... It'll... I just hope we get Rory v. Reed, Mark II. Mark II, yeah. 2.0. That's all I want. That's all I want. Why that, do I keep yeah. thinking that Patrick Reed will just keep as good as Rory's going at the moment? I just keep thinking I Patrick saw the highlight the other day of Rory shushing the crowd after that part during that. And oh, man. Just give me that again. When they don't rig the they don't rig the draws, do they, in the singles? It's all pulled out of a hat. Is that right? Well, theoretically. Well, yeah. You're casting doubt on the ver- the veracity no, of that process. Are. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but they should they should just pair them up because just give us Rory versus Reed. That's, I think that's all anyone it, wants. Oh yeah. The, if, what did you think about that when you were watching yeah. it? Have you been to any of these the Ryder Cup or? No, I've been to a Ryder Cup. Okay. I actually haven't been to a Presidents Cup. Right. Probably shoot on the board of that, shouldn't I? Yeah, I'll probably. probably I'll, I'll get the World Cup this year. Yeah, yeah. Hazy, can you give me a ticket? <laughs> Uh, we better get out of here. What uh, what do we need to know this week? Well, Andy, obviously grand final week in the big football competitions yep. around the country this week. So as AFL and NRL seasons come to a close in the next few days, time to shift our attention more broadly to, to what is ahead in golf month. Because that's what October Spot on, Hazy. Synonymous around the world with uh, golf month, October. So there are hundreds of activities happening at golf clubs and facilities all around the country throughout the month. Perfect opportunity, and this is what we want all the rusted-on people listening to Inside the Ropes to do, is share the game that you love with the people you love. So take some newcomers out, get them involved at whatever level, down at your club, your facility, and to find out which ones are active, head to golfmonth.com.au to find an activity near you that's going to inspire the next wave of golfers. Spot on. Excellent. Couldn't have said you said it so well, it was almost like you're reading it. It was like that, wasn't it? You said it so well. <laughs> um, and was. just to prove that I wasn't, play nine. <laughs> uh, there is also the continuing. We've been mentioning this oh, for quite have. a while, this and so it's coming to a sort of a head soon. Uh, the chance to play nine. Win your way through to play at the National Championship, the Australian Open at the Lakes in, in November. And then if you do well there, you can go off and play Royal Port Rush, represent Australia. Get on to golf.org.au forward slash play nine. What more motivation could you possibly want? To you, young fella, uh, yeah. keep up the good work. We are, there's a lot of people. You might feel like you're a million miles away yeah. when you're over there doing what you're doing, but there's a lot of people back here who are interested in yeah in what you are doing and taking notice of it no, as much as we can. Awesome. On I, I do realise the appreciation and, yeah, everyone that's supporting and, yeah, and sticking with it, it's, it's great. It's great for Australian golf. Just let it be said. Just remember this conversation. When there was, we had a conversation on AO Radio 
about two years ago at the Australian. Yep. And we're all involved. And the conversation was, whose game do you want? Who do you want to be? Coletta, <laughs> Luck, or Minwoo Lee? And I said Coletta. I said, I'll, I'll, said ta- I said, I'll take Coletta. Thanks. What did Hazy say? I know what Hazy said. What did you say, Hazy? He said oh. Minwoo for sure. I think you did say Minwoo. I'll take Curtis. Yeah, 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 there you go. Right. Oh, mate, I'll, 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 I'll settle for, be I'll settle for yeah, Brett's game. Yeah, yeah, be happy between with mine and Brett's. <laughs> I'm taking oh, Brett's. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm still. I, we haven't really talked too much about this stuff, but I, I'm still coming to terms. When Brett won the um, Queensland Open, so what was that? 2016. Yeah. There's a par four, the tenth. Yeah, down the hill. Down there. Yeah, don't barely talk it down too much. <laughs> barely down the hill. And how far is it? You tell me the story, but I'm going to, I from memory, I'm going to say 359 metres. Well, you're talking about the drive? Yeah. Do they want an in depth one? I'm Go sure for they it. want an yeah. in depth. <laughs> Go. Before we put in perspective, the last kind of four holes I've been struggling, <laughs> I was very nervous. Something tells me you've On told this own. story before. <laughs> <laughs> it's your sportsman's night special. <laughs> yeah, I hope everyone's got some time now. Um, no, I was I was actually struggling. I was really nervous, and geez, I got on that tenth tee, and it was what was it? How far is it? I reckon it's three fifty nine at the Brisbane Golf Club. Yeah, it's like a three ten carry over those right traps, and um, okay. I ended up down there with a very short chip of about twenty meters from off the front there. I oh no, that just reckon. set I up. Hazy reckons it's less than that. I reckon you were further up. You reckon? Yeah. I can't remember it. I was in such... I was in the zone. I can't (laughs) remember anything. The only thing I do remember was Herbie nearly having a hole in one on that... uh, on that par three out the back there. Here we go. We've got the hey, scores got the up now. Scorecards well, coming up for us. What have we got? Tristan Fernandez comes through on the 10th tee at the Brisbane Golf Club. The championship tee is actually 438. 438? It wasn't 438. I remember I remember recording it like on Twitter or something as you've you've driven it 359. That's why that number's in my head. Um, that what I'd yeah, it because it was Because it was just on 400 yards, which is the number that stuck. So maybe... Maybe we're a bit short, and that's the right yeah. number that Tristan's brought up. The fact up, that Brett can't even remember it, like barely at all, tells me it happens quite often. Yeah. Then hitting it three fifty nine. No, I think it was deal. a situation. I guess yeah, why I started that story, Andy, is to say I'd be quite content if yeah. Brett Clutter's game <laughs> jumped into my we'd, bag. We'd all be quite happy, <laughs> uh, mate. Good luck. Um, oh, we're in your yeah. corner, and we can't wait to see where yeah. it takes you. No, no, appreciate you bringing me in here. Uh, good on appreciate. you, Brett Clutter, our special guest on Inside the Ropes today. Fantastic catching up with Michelle Watts as well. Uh, Justin, good to see you, young Thank you, boy. Thanks for having me. What about the hair? No, no, no. no, 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 no you asked me not up. to mention the hair. Oh, I will. Well, no, don't. We shouldn't talk hair. You've said that Coletta's got blonde hair. Yeah, I, mean, I have not got blonde hair. I've got blonde as I am. Um, <laughs> and I've got no hair. So there you go. Uh, good to see you, big fella. You too, mate. And we'll um, uh, be back next week to do it all again. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been Inside the Ropes.